Hello and welcome to the Women in Sport podcast. This episode is sponsored by CSM Live. The recent Rugby League World Cup was a tournament of firsts. The first time the women wheelchair and men's teams competed simultaneously. The first time every player was paid the same participation fee. And the first time every match was broadcast live on the BBC, promoting the sport to a new generation of players and supporters. England's women may not have the trophy, but they have created a platform from which the women's game can grow. They've shown girls that they do have a place in one of the toughest sports going. To talk about the impact this Rugby League World Cup has had on the women's game and to discuss what more needs to be done to progress the sports, I have an amazing panel of women joining me. Stacey Knight, non-exec director of the Rugby League World Cup. Tracy Power, the tournament social impact director, and Jodie Cunningham, St Helens player, England international, a woman of many hats, as she's also the National Women and Girls Development Manager at the RFL. Jodie, I do want to start with you because you looked absolutely crestfallen after the defeat to New Zealand. Just explain what that moment was like for you. And now you've had a period of reflection. You know, how are you feeling now? Yeah, it's really hard to explain really what goes through your mind in that moment. It's it's everything and I, I probably still struggle to articulate it now. It's you know, the only way I could describe it was was just physically and emotionally broken and for so many different reasons. Also the tournament was physically draining. It was it was tough. It was it was the best display of, of women's rugby league I think there's ever been, you know, and that is thanks to the growth that's happened over recent years. But we knew as England, and when I got back from the 2017 World Cup, we knew the next one would come down to a semi-final again. So it felt like not just four years going into what would be a semi-final where we knew it would really count, but five years this time with the delay. So, yeah, it feels like you've given absolutely everything and, and genuinely we couldn't have given any more before the tournament or during, and then you fall short, which is tough. It is really tough. And with a little bit more time, I can I can see the positives and... You know, when people are coming up to me and telling me how proud they are of England women and how they've inspired the next generation and even just people knowing about it and talking about the sport is is massive progress from where we were at last time. So, yeah, there's, there's loads of positives we can take out of this tournament. But personally, as a player, yeah, heartbroken is probably the only way to describe it. Yeah, it's hard to shift that feeling. Stacey, I'd really like to kind of go back to the beginning um, and the sort of start of the um, the sort of preparation really for this World Cup. It was the most inclusive World Cup there has been. Just talk us through some of the the decision making behind that and and, and how you feel it it went. Absolutely. So, you know, this this has been a long journey. It's what, 2,555 days. Oh, wow. Uh, I love the fact you were counting in days. <laughs> there you go, in days. Uh, who, who would have known when, when we set out on, on such an ambitious task as delivering the, the biggest and best Rugby League World Cup that there's been, that we'd have war, um, we, we would have a cost of living crisis, that we would have a, a global pandemic um, so certainly there have been moments when we've we've really have to um, overcome, you know, overcome everything that's been thrown at us. And I think that's been a real motto of the Rugby League World Cup, that no matter what's been going on, it, it's it, for us, it's always been about delivering impact. I remember when I first joined and my first kind of um, meeting where we all got together and we discussed it, we held strong to our values 
Um, we, we set our values down and we held strong to them, diversity, inclusivity, and delivering it tangibly to make sure that each tournament was um, successful and promoted and delivered impact in its own right. And it wasn't just about focusing on, on men. It was really promoting women's and it was really promoting wheelchair. This was about reaching new audiences. So, you know, we were absolutely delighted to have the BBC as a partner and help deliver deliver 61 phenomenal games. Um, we've delivered over 30 million people have tuned in to watch the game. And that 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 wasn't even including, you know, the 500,000 people who attended um, the stadiums at the same time. Um, there was a lot of planning that's went in. We've had a phenomenal executive team that have helped support um, and drive this through everything from mental health um, programs through to the cultural side. Our power squad um, of volunteers were phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. The stories that have come out are just are just brilliant. And there's been some really seminal moments in the whole of this. Who would have thought the, you know, all those days ago when we started planning this, that we would have our patron um, attending the, the Wigan game where you know Jody Jody had so you know was 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 there with her and had some FaceTime with her and who would have thought that rugby league would be in Tatler and Vogue um, and we got there because of that and I think there have been such phenomenal stories that have come out you know we we sit back now and we look on what the tournament was and all those challenges we had and and the governance we've we've you know due, good governance we've went through and I, I can't help but feel really really proud and I think what Trace is doing and, and the social impact side going forward will just continue that what Jodie's you know been doing with all her squad and all the players that have taken part being you know we had over 700 amazing athletes Jodie's become an icon now she's a sporting icon you know, she's she's got troops of women looking up to her, including myself. I don't know how how you've done it, Jodie. I mean, it's 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 brilliant. It's I made mean, me go back to the gym. I'd argue that Jodie was a sporting icon prior to the Rugby League World Cup, but even more so even now. Even more so. <laughs> And I mean, I was lucky enough actually to be at the opener England Brazil game at Headingley. Um, and the atmosphere there was amazing with all the school children um, really, really getting behind both of the teams. Um, Tracy, just talk to us a little bit about kind of what your job entails uh, as sort of social impact. Yeah, so um, as Stacey said, right from the start, um, when we first started planning the Rugby League World Cup, we wanted it to be about much more than just what happens on the field. So we were really committed towards inclusivity, diversity, with the men's, women's and wheelchairs all on uh, tournaments all on the same platform, but also really committed to what happened off the pitch being just as important as what happened on the pitch. So a lot of the work that I've been leading and that we've, the team have been doing is around how we can make a positive impact on people's lives. So we're a purpose-driven tournament. Our purpose wasn't to deliver 61 matches our purpose was to make a positive impact on people's lives in communities and we've been working on that for the last four years so most tournaments look at leaving a legacy and start doing that work on having the tournament and then using that as the platform to build from we took a slightly different approach and decided to use the build-up and the excitement that having it hosting a major event brings to do some of that 
I suppose like legacy pre-legacy work so to have make some of that impact before the tournament kicked off and you know back in June this year so a few months before the tournament even started we launched our interim report to show the impact that we've made on communities um, over 25 million pounds worth of new funding invested into rugby communities to help grow and develop the game and to help people um, be better citizens and, and to help them have better mental health, to be more active in their communities through volunteering and a whole host of different um, activities. And that's something we're really proud of, as, as Stacey said earlier, we're really proud of everything that we've achieved on the field uh, and equally as proud as what we've achieved off the field. Um, and that work continues now. So we've invested over £21 million into rugby league facilities so into rugby league community clubs to build new clubhouses, new um, pitches, kit and equipment, set up new teams. We've seen a lot of growth, particularly in the women's game and um, pre-tournament. So before the tournament even started, I think the launch of Women's Super League a few years ago um, domestically has helped to grow that. We've seen um, Women's Super League games, Challenge Cup and, and Super League games uh, broadcast on Sky and BBC in the build up to the tournament. And then having all of the women's matches live on the BBC. Um, for anybody to watch I think has just been fantastic and will help just propel that further and hopefully the investment that we've put into community clubs means that those community clubs are now prepared to be able to accept all this you know all this new interest that we're getting in the game they're able to um, welcome uh, more women and girls into their community clubs and setting up new teams which will just help to continue to grow the sport. Oh, absolutely brilliant. It's it's so good to hear actually that the women's game was was starting to grow even before the World Cup. How much have you seen the interest grow since the tournament's been on? So I think Jody can probably uh, talk a little bit more about this, but um, we, we saw a massive increase before the tournament. And then I know I'll let Jody speak around the uh, her legacy project that the RFL are delivering to try and uh, use that inspiration that the World Cup's provided to try and convert those people, uh, those interested women and girls into players. Yeah, I mean, like Tracy said, I was I was really fortunate to actually work in Tracy's team at the World Cup for three years. So I know that the impact that the social impact program has had across communities, and it it really did using the excitement of a World Cup really did enhance the women and girls offer in England because everybody realised there's this major opportunity that we had to take advantage of. So absolutely in the build up, even despite losing a full year of activity. Um, through the pandemic, we still had growth the following year on on the previous non-pandemic year. So, yeah, we we definitely saw the growth beforehand, but the interest from young girls afterwards. So, part of my role was we've got all this activity, all this interest and engagement from young girls. How do we make sure that we capture that excitement when it's at its highest? Um, you know, for for us in rugby league, December, January, there there are off seasons. Active doesn't properly get going until sort of February. So we've got the her legacy sessions, which are running at the minute. So we're working with our club foundations, who are delivering sessions for young girls age five right through to sixteen, and our England stars, who have obviously just come out of the World Cup, are attending those, um, interacting with the girls, joining in the sessions, and. Yeah, the interest has been phenomenal and I've had so many fantastic messages and you know lots of, of tweets on social media saying how you know how how amazing these sessions are and how brilliant it is that our England stars are so so accessible really, which I think is a real positive of rugby league is how accessible our athletes are. And yeah, I think the girls are really enjoying it as well because you get told that you're a role model and no, that's sometimes that's hard to believe. And I think the girls are really now starting to believe it because they've definitely got hundreds of 
and thousands of, of young girls now who are who are absolute crazy fans for our England women's team and how fantastic is that? So yeah, the, the Her Legacy sessions are ongoing at the minute. I'm being inundated with with people asking me, you know, what are the plans here? What are the plans there? And I genuinely believe this tournament's give us a platform to really grow the game across the country, not just in our heartlands, but spread out into some of the areas where probably Women and Girls Rugby League hasn't been as strong. Um, so, yeah, some really great conversations happening. So, you know, from a, if I take my player hat off and put my work hat on, then absolutely this tournament I can already see has been a massive success for what we want to do in the Women and Girls game. Yeah, that visibility is so important, isn't it? And as you mentioned, the accessibility to the players to really inspire young girls into the game. And, and you know, as you say, outside of the Heartlands as well, where rugby league isn't as well known um, as it is kind of up, up north. Um, I mean, it's just amazing. And, and we've, I've got to mention the wheelchair as well. Um, the wheelchair World Cup was just phenomenal. I think that really captured the imagination of, of so many people as well. Yeah, absolutely, it did, and you know, we it was so brilliant that in camp we we we've developed really great relationships with the England wheelchair team, and you know, we were always following them and having their games on in our team room and cheering them on, which was brilliant. And I always felt like we were going to win it before the tournament happened. James Simpson sold it to me when we first met and became ambassadors back in 2018. I knew that they were going to win that World Cup. I had complete faith in them, but the way that they captured the hearts of the nation, I think, has just been incredible. All everybody's talking to me about is the women in the wheelchair and what a fantastic legacy that is from a tournament where it was a first to run all three together on the same platform. And I think everyone talks about the benefits to the women's and wheelchair game of doing it that way. But, you know, for me, I like to think that that we've helped to boost the men's competition and put more eyes and different eyes onto that competition than before because of, of the new audiences that the women's and wheelchair game has brought into this and yeah, what the wheelchair team have done is phenomenal. I think they're still celebrating now and I really don't blame them at all. I don't blame them, no. And, and what are the plans for, I mean, are there plans to to have a women's wheelchair? Um, the wheelchair game is actually um, fully inclusive. So it's mixed genders, male and females play on the same team. So we actually had um, two of the Welsh team um, were female players. So I think hopefully, obviously it's, it currently it is dominated by male players, but ho- we're hoping that, now the world has seen wheelchair rugby league and kind of woken up to how fantastic the sport is um that more people will go along and get involved including women so there is a big push on that you know it is fully inclusive disabled people non-disabled people males females adults you know their children everyone can play together um and we've got a lot of the a lot of the wheelchair rugby league teams have been running taster sessions on the back of um, the excitement from the world cup um, they're already reporting that they've had loads of new people come along who've seen it on, on TV and want to come along and have a go. Um, and I know there's um, already plans in the pipeline for at least five new uh, wheelchair would believe teams to be set up um, for next season, which is um, fantastic. And, you know, what a great legacy from uh, the wheelchair tournament. And I have to mention, Stacey, as well, the pay parity. I mean, that was a, a huge step forward for this tournament. And I can only imagine made a huge difference um, to to the players, especially the women's and the wheelchair players. I I, I would imagine it was a no-brainer, really, when you sat around that table in those preparation meetings. It wasn't. And as per um, what I mentioned previously and and, and what Tracy and Jodie have said, you know, in order to be diverse and inclusive, to be truly make that impact, you have to live by your values. So it it was an absolute no-brainer that there were some 
some things that you overlook when you're planning a tournament. And one of those sometimes can be, well, what's what's the parity here? How are we doing it? Right down to hotels, accommodation, the travel that the players had. And and up to date, you have teams that have, have had to pay their own way in this. So to have you know, to, to be able to say that we're providing a platform and that everybody's treated equally was incredibly important to us, incredibly important. And we hope that not only have we inspired off the back of this tournament more participation uh, within the sport, but also that other federations can look at what we've done and say, yes, that's that's the model or we'll, we'll take some learnings out going forward and have that uh, running as well. You know, for, for us also having... Um, the the women's the wheelchair and the men's happening concurrently, having double headers. You, know, you look at the final with um, the women's and men's was incredibly important to us too. Everyone got equal equal time. Everyone got equal participation fees. Everyone was treated as an equal, and that's that's a really strong message to go out with going forward. Jodie, you started playing at a time where there weren't any girls playing rugby league. Just kind of give us an overview of your journey through the game. Yeah, so I actually started playing through school, so so strong advocate for making sure that schools offer a diverse range of sports because I can tell you honestly, there's no way I would have ever sought out rugby league if someone hadn't put it right in front of my face. Um, and actually, even still, my best mate had to do a lot of convincing to, to tell me to give rugby league a go. And it feels like fate. You know, I'm very fortunate that the year I started High school was the year they started the Champion Skills Tournament for Girls, so it had a long-running history in, in the men's game. This was the first time it had been fully opened up for, for girls to compete. And as soon as I played this sport, as soon as I realised how fantastic it was, I wanted more of it. And there just wasn't many opportunities for girls at that time. There wasn't many community clubs. So uh, I was travelling over an hour to play for a girls' team and it just wasn't feasible with my parents trying to get me there. Um, so my um, family and, and Emily's family, our parents basically created uh, our own team. Uh, so we created a Warrington girls team and all the school girls came. We had other girls in Warrington who tried rugby league for the first time and we were really successful there. So we, it was just a snowball effect, really. If you get a couple of girls who are exposed to a sport and love it, they bring so many people along the journey with them. And, um, you know, we're seeing that now and, and it, it really is just providing those opportunities that are really important there was no profile or visibility of the women in the game at that time so I don't think I really was aware there was a women's competition that it was something I could carry on post school and that sort of thing um I definitely didn't know it was an England women's team so it wasn't until I got told by a coach that you know you've got some potential I think if you stick at it you could play for England one day that that was it I was 100% 100% that was what I want to do just really narrow narrow focus on I really want to play for England how do I make that happen and that wasn't visible the pathways weren't visible at that time so it was very much trying to ask people well how do I how do I trial how do I get there how do I get in front of coaches Um, was really fortunate I made my England debut at 17 um, and I've been part of that England setup ever since and you know really fortunate for the opportunities I've had in the game but to see I feel fortunate, my family and, and some people say, oh, you know, you just, you sort of 10 years too early. If you were, can you imagine if you're sort of making your debut now at 17, when I actually feel really fortunate that I've seen this journey. I, I appreciate what we get now so much more because I've seen where it came from. I've seen when, you know, we were playing on public parks and there was two men and a dog there 
uh, walking and there literally was nobody who really cared. We, you know, we won Challenge Cups and Grand Finals and you would get little to no exposure. And, and now we've just played a World Cup alongside the men in the wheelchair live across the BBC and we've got young girls all there with face paints and and banners for us and asking us to sign things, asking for our shirts. I haven't had, you know, our names on the back of our shirts. I remember the first time that happened in the Women's Super League. That was such a, a really unique moment for me. So, yeah, for me, the journey that I've been on, I, I feel like I've I've gone with the momentum of the game and I feel really fortunate for that. I'm sure, you know, I probably won't be around when the girls are full-time athletes, but I'll be so proud of being part of that journey that gets them there. And I think this tournament has absolutely been the catalyst to propel us forward so that the conversations are really happening. I think they've happened before and been a pipe dream and probably been shut down quite quickly. And now those conversations are happening and and this genuine thought going into how do we make it happen and, and what are the steps to get there? And it has to be done right. You know, we all talk about wanting professionalism. There's lots of complexities that come with that. Um, it's not really simple and it, and it has to be sustainable. Um, so it's a, pro, it's, it's a process to get there. And, you know, like I say, year on year, it's got phenomenally better uh, domestically and internationally. So it will get there. I've got no doubts. We just need to make sure we do it in the right way so that it's right for the athletes. We put the athletes first and on what they need rather than necessarily jumping headfirst into something and actually causing problems and, and more complications with some things. That is the conversation, isn't it, off the back of the, the World Cup is is um, professionalism and paying athletes um, to play. Uh, we know Leeds obviously are starting next year, which is which is great on a club level. Um, but yeah, I mean, what, what do you feel about, about it, Stacey? Um, we, what are your thoughts on the professionalism of the game? I, th- I, th- I think to Jodie's point, you know, it, it is it is complex, but I think um, women's sport in particular has went through a real lift, has, has, has fundamentally changed at its very core over the last few years. There is a lot more to go. And I think you, you look at the world's population, 50% of the world's population are female. And why shouldn't we? be be you know be paid to to do the sport that we love to 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 have equal parity to our, our to the male gender i think that's incredibly incredibly important but you, you know from a club perspective you have to look at it as well and say the money has to come from somewhere so that means that that also comes down to funding and be that um, government support who have been phenomenal and will continue to support but also through to sponsors and um, commercial partners um, they're really seeing the benefit of women's sport and, and, and the uplift as well, but we need more. You know, this is a journey. We're not going to suddenly leap through to the very end. Um, it will be a combination of years and all the hard work that individuals have put into to getting us to where we are today can't stop. It's a case of not taking our, our foot off the accelerator. So, yeah, absolutely believe that, that women should be paid and should be paid equal to, to their male counterparts but with the understanding that it, it, it will take some time for that to happen and the, and the funding to be organised. Yeah, and, and of course that will have a huge impact on grassroots as well, won't it, with those player pathways that Jodie spoke about that, that didn't really exist when she started, will all of a sudden start to be much clearer to girls and, and, and help them to feel valued in a game, that, that there is a future for them within a game where they don't have to make the, the sacrifices that the current women are having to make and, and juggle 
their work alongside their training and in some cases family lives as well, which is incredibly difficult. But I think a lot of people have a huge amount of respect um, for what you have done and for what you continue to do uh, in the sport. It's it's incredible. You know, and, and watching the women in steel, I think really kind of really kind of hit home some of the sacrifices that, that you girls have had to make. Yeah, I think it was it was really nice having that documentary come out just before the tournament, because one, I think you're right, it gave everybody sort of a respect for what we do and how hard we work. And even my family, like I say, I've been in the England squad since I was 17 and it has been my life and everything has revolved around it since, well, since earlier than that. Yet that was sort of a bit of a seminal moment for for my family of realising how hard it is and why I say no to this and no to the other and can't come to this and can't come to it was it was a bit of a window into my life and what it really looks like with the training and dedication. So that it was brilliant that that came out and so many people spoke to us about that about that documentary and you know you talk about pathways and and visibility. You know how that's a real insight for young girls, but the pathways are just so visible now. I say I didn't know there was an England women's team. I had so many parents, young girls, talk to me and say. Oh, she's going to play for England one day. She's going to come and take your shirt. This is what she's going to do. She can't wait. Have you got any tips? How does she get there? And it's just so refreshing to see young girls who were five, six, seven year old, where there was there was nothing. There was nothing like that there. You could count on one hand how many how many young girls of that age you would see at, at sort of the mixed age group. And now you've got parents at that age already and the young girls already mindset, I'm going to play for England and I know exactly how to do it and I've got the role models there to show me how it's done. So, yeah, for me, I think everything about the build-up and, and the coverage that we've got is so, so important to providing. Well, it, it's that inspirational moment. We always have that one moment. I think if you speak to athletes, you know, when was it? When was the sort of penny drop moment? When did you decide? When? when did you fall in love with a sport? This World Cup will be that moment for so many young girls. And, you know, I can't wait for 10, 15 years time when there'll be England internationals who'll say, oh, I came down to Headingley or I was at Wigan or I was at Old Trafford and I saw the women absolutely smashing it. I turned on the BBC and I caught this and I asked, could I go down to a rugby league session? I asked, where's my local team? And that's where it started. And, you know, that's really special. And I think that everybody who's part of this tournament, from the volunteers to the organisers to the athletes, every single one of us can be proud because we're part of making that happen. We're, we're part of starting off the dreams of young girls now and, you know, young people who want to play wheelchair rugby league and 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 the young lads that are going to be inspired by this tournament. But, yeah, obviously for me, I just think we're never going to really realise how important this tournament has been. I just don't think it's measurable because it really has been a game changer for women and girls rugby league. I think one of the most important things, certainly for grassroots and certainly from the work that we do at Women in Sport is, is to really break down some of the outdated attitudes around rugby itself and that girls can't play rugby or that rugby isn't a game for girls because it's, it, you know, it's tough and there's contact and you get dirty and muddy and, and some of the stereotyping that girls don't like that type of thing. Um, how far do you think it, this will have gone to start to kind of break down some of those attitudes? We're not going to break it down completely all in one go, but just to start chipping away. I think it's been huge because, you know, as as an athlete years ago when there was no visibility, there were so many stereotypes that just were around that were so false. But 
they had nothing to compare to. They didn't, they couldn't see it themselves. So the stereotypes just existed and that's what they believed. And now they can really see the game for the athletes that, that play it. It's so varied. We've got every shape and size. We've got every background. We've got every personality type who play the sport. Um, it really is a massive range. And I think that's, that's what the benefit of rugby league is. I love the physicality of it. Even if you don't, there's a rugby league variant that you can take part in. We've got touch, we've got tag, we've got learning disability, rugby league, physical disability, wheelchair. We've got every variant you could possibly wish for. We've got masters for someone who might have been inspired and think I've missed my chance. Well, you've not because masters rugby league's out there as well for you know over 30s, over 35s in, in the men's game. So, yeah, for me, I think it really has gone a long way to changing those perceptions. Hopefully my face and, and the state of me in the tournament didn't put too many girls off. Um, uh, I know I probably looked a, a little bit um, worse for wear at times, but, you know, I love that. And, and you know, people say, oh, why do you do it? And and I would make the same decisions every time over. Um, no matter how much it hurts at times, the enjoyment and everything I get from rugby league outweighs that tenfold. Um, but for me, it's particularly team sport, I think is so valuable for, for young people, not just young girls, just young people playing team sports and what you get out of that um, is immeasurable. And there's things that I can now attribute to playing rugby league from a young age, like the healthy body image that I have in, you know, I've never been one to worry about my weight and, and what I'm eating particularly and working in a in an office in a workspace with other women realizing actually that's a, that's a major issue for quite a lot of women and I believe I've got a healthy body image because I've played rugby league from an age where my body's a tool and how do I use that tool most effectively it's not about weighing on the scales actually it's about am I really powerful and strong and do I feel good well brilliant that's then I'm doing the right things um, and as I say every shape and size on the field from the tallest to the smallest biggest to the thinnest you know, everyone's got a role and a way to excel and, and showcase what they can do in rugby league. And I think hopefully that that was that came across in this tournament and, you know, young girls and young parents, because let's face it, they're the ones often that help us and facilitate us playing sport. Without my parents, I never would have been able to do what I've done. You know, we need the parents to see because they're of a generation that probably didn't get these opportunities and probably did have the stereotypes in place and they're you know it's the parents that we need to make sure they can see that this is a fantastic sport that offers so much on top of the enjoyment um, and the obvious health benefits of playing sport it offers so much um, to young people and hopefully they're starting to see that as well and we're breaking those stereotypes with parents so that they can be really proud of their young daughter going and being a strong independent woman who's yeah playing this physical sport but absolutely smashing it and loving it while she does. Yeah, you're so right. And and we know that there's a there's already a 23% gender gap when it comes to team sport between uh, uh, boys and girls. So, you know, it's so, so important to get more girls playing team sport for all of those reasons you've mentioned. And I mean, I know personally, I play um, England touch rugby uh, master's level because I'm of that age, but it's so important. And, and all of those things that you get from playing a team sport and and you know, progressing with a, a bunch of women and, and and sort of seeing that journey. And I understand the sacrifice as well because you know I've got two young kids and a full-time job. And you know, I was up training this morning at six o'clock in my garage just to try and fit everything in during your day. So I completely get that sacrifice. But what it gives you 
as you've said, is just so much more. And you learn that resilience and you learn, you know, all of the kind of benefits of, of playing a team sport in terms of those transferable skills and leadership and communication and going after a goal and all of that kind of stuff. It gives you that drive. And it's and it's so impactful as well, isn't it, Tracy, with, with communities and it can benefit individuals. But but when you get that in a community as well, the transformative effect that can have is is amazing. Yeah, and I think um, we're really lucky in rugby league that the players, the, the superstar players that we have are so accessible and so willing to give their time and give back to their communities. You know, they've all come through the community club setup and they've got really strong roots and, and links to, to their communities. So they're always so willing to to give their time and go back and, and inspire um, the next generation. You know, think people like um, Jodie and the other England uh, women's players who are out, like she said, in the communities now delivering the her legacy sessions. But even after every match, after every match across all three tournaments, every team, every player was out on the pitch until the last fan had left. If you know, everybody had come down, wanted things signing, photos taken, win whether they'd won or lost, they were all out there. You know. Us as organisers were thinking, God, can we, we want to get, you know, we want to get home. Um, um, but, you know, fantastic to see that they, you know, they were making sure that all the fans, everybody who wanted to have a photo taken, have their autograph taken, um, have their autograph um, given, they they give their time so freely um, walking around the stadium doing that, which, which um, is, you know, a big asset for us as a sport. Um, and also going out into the community. So during the tournament, during tournament time, all the, Teams went out to visit local communities. They were out visiting schools. They were out visiting community clubs. We had some people going to um, sessions that were being held in libraries and other community facilities. Just getting out there and, um, you know, speaking to local communities, telling them about their journey, learning about um, our culture, but also then us being able to learn about their culture um, and just building some of that relationship and just, I think, really showcasing that rugby league is is more than what happens on the pitch. It is a family. We talk a lot around it being a, having a rugby league family and the rugby league community. And I think um, that's always been really strong. And I think it shined through throughout the tournament as well with um, all the players, um, regardless from which nation they were playing for, really willing to give their time, speak to people, make, you know, make new friends and um, really showcase what the sport's all about. Yeah, I think that's really true, isn't it? And you, when you go and watch any kind of rugby league game, there are always so many families in the crowd. And I think as a sport, that's really what sets it apart. Yeah, definitely. It's a really uh, diverse crowd. Um, and at the tournament, we had a lot of a lot of um, female fans coming to watch. We had a lot of new fans, a lot of um, children. Um, and that real family feel, as Jodie's already mentioned, you know, lots of people with face painting, flags waving. It was all... Um, creating a great atmosphere we don't need to segregate fans and you know everyone can sit together regardless of which team they're cheering you know it, it's all very friendly hopefully with uh the world cup has helped to bring a few more people into that uh rugby league family so what does the next few years look like then we we, we would hope you know for, for us it's about um continuing with the impact you know that the, we're we're on the build up now to uh, to 2025 in France. So we want to see some of the amazing talent that's coming through um, from the programs that Jody's Jody's working with, that Tracy's um, helping fund in the community. We want to see the next generation of stars come through and really shine. Uh, we'd love an England win. Um, that would be great. Um, but we also want 
you know, one of, one of the big things is participation to increase for more people to be trying the sport in whatever format they want to try, that, that people feel comfortable and confident in themselves and their own bodies. What, what I think rugby league does incredibly well is this idea of you do you, you be the best person that you can possibly be. And you've got this amazing tribe of individuals that are backing you up as well. Um, I think I think so participation, I think more people trying, I think a deeper sense of community, a deeper sense of belonging, um, a, a bigger understanding and a bigger impact. And, and you know, with with my financial hat on, I think more sh- more commercial backing coming through for the sport to help um, continue that funding and to help continue the the, the equality will be fun, would be amazing and fantastic. I think for me, um, it would be a little bit wider than that as well in terms of hopefully, I really hope that we've helped lay the platform for future um, major events, sporting events, not just rugby league events, but other sporting events as well in terms of the inclusivity, diversity, bringing all the tournaments together at different formats, um, celebrating all of it on the same platform, men, women and disability sport, um, and also the social impact as well. So not waiting until I'd love to see more major events not waiting until after the events happened to then try and uh, and have a leave a legacy but actually using learning some of the things that we've learned um and using the build-up to the tournament to to make that impact and go wider than just growing participation I think there's more that major events can do in terms of growing participation in the sport particularly in disability sport and women and girls sport but I'd also like to see more major events making an impact on people who don't necessarily want to play the sport. And I think that's something we've managed to achieve and hopefully we can share some of that learning with other uh, major events um, so that they can continue to do the same. Yeah, that's that's an incredible legacy, isn't it? Trying to, you know, getting people into a sport that, you know, had no interest to start with and, and now they have an interest and, you know, may go on to be supporters or players or, or have another role within the sport is incredible. Yeah, I think for me as well, like building off what Stacey and, and, and Tracy have said, I suppose I'm a combination of, of that and then looking at it as a as a player. So participation for me is key in terms of, of work and growing the number of girls, the number of teams, the number of girls clubs has grown massively again uh, this year. I'm hoping for the same next year, if, you know, even more growth, which I genuinely do believe we'll see with the, you know, the interest that we've already had expanding into new areas you know that's the next few years is about that and cementing women and girls rugby league as it's not a nice to have as you know absolutely everyone should be doing it and you know every girl should have the opportunity to play uh, for their local team so that for me is what what I want to see over the next couple of years and I know that we will and you know the bigger playing population we have the more chance we have got for that success and, and that England win like Stacey said you know, we've come from such a small playing pool, but just lots of really dedicated players that have given everything for it. Well, actually, we're bringing so many more athletes into the game who are usually on pathways for cricket and football and netball and something else. And actually, like like you mentioned, all those skills are transferable. You know, hand-eye coordination, you know, the athleticism, the speed, the fitness, all of those things usually are really beneficial for whatever sport you play so we're seeing a lot of talent transfers into rugby league now because they can see there's these amazing opportunities Tracy mentioned earlier you know from a women's super league perspective playing on the BBC playing on Sky playing in incredible stadiums having opportunities to travel the world you know there's now amazing reasons why you would want to start on a rugby league journey so 
you know, we're, we're bringing in the athletes. And then from a personal perspective, obviously, I want to make that final and I, and I want to win it. But first of all, you know, I've got to, I've got to have the next, the next couple of weeks is, is resting, reflecting and, you know, having some conversations, you know, do I, do I go again? And, you know, I, I think I've probably got one more World Cup in me. It's, it's three years, isn't it? I think I can maybe do three years. Um, but yeah, that's probably not really my choice as such, you know, if I'm willing to go again, because it's tough. You know, and, and I'm sure Stacey and Tracy will agree that the the five years was was really hard at times. It was 100% all worth it. But there were some really tough times as, you know, backroom staff and, and as players. Um, but three years, I reckon I can give it all again to, to hopefully give England a chance to win that trophy. So, yeah, for me, it's a bit of rest over December and then in January saying, how do we make sure we're in that final and we give ourselves a chance of lifting that trophy in France? And do you think it is an attain it is attainable to close that gap on Australia and New Zealand? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think people, you know what's really nice of this tournament? I've played obviously for England for a long time now, and everyone had us written off before the tournament. Obviously, people were excited. It was a home World Cup. You know, everyone's getting behind us, but at the same time, probably didn't give us any chance. And for once during the tournament. I genuinely felt a shift in that and people were starting to change their opinions and going, England could win this. Look how, how great the rugby league is that they play. Look at the athletes that we've got there. Wow, we've got a real chance. And I think that makes it hurt more that we got beaten in that semi-final because, you know, I deep down, I believe we could have won that game and we were close enough to win it in 2017. We weren't. You know, we could have had our best day and New Zealand would have beat us in 2017. This time we could have beat them and just on the day, you know, that sport, it didn't didn't go for us. But the fact that we closed that gap and I genuinely think that we had the nation believing we could do it was really special because I think that was why, you know, when we did get knocked out, unanimously everyone was saying how proud they were of what we'd done because they saw the progress we'd made. And that was through hard work of us as individual athletes, of all the wider squad who trained and give a give a all of that for so many years and didn't get in that final 24 you know there's a lot of girls who who sacrificed a lot and didn't get that dream at the end um but the backroom staff you know Tracy and the team at the World Cup I know how hard they worked everybody um has done so much to put England in the position they are now um we just need to step it up a gear and and I think we can definitely go one more and hopefully win it Amazing. And what about for the girls at grassroots level? You know, what would you say to them or to their parents about why they should play rugby league? Have you got another hour? <laughs> <laughs> I could go all day long about about the reasons why rugby league, you know, for me, 100% is the best sport in the world. And Stacey's mentioned loads of reasons. Tracy has around the accessibility, the family feel, the inclusiveness, you know, for me as an individual the confidence it's given me, the opportunities in life. I now work in sport, which I never thought would happen. And um, my family always used to tell me, you need to start focusing on your career, you know, rugby, you're not going to get paid to do it. But technically I sort of am. Okay, it's not as a player, but it's as someone helping to make the game better. And, you know, for me, what I've got from this sport in terms of shaping me as an individual, it's all the other things that, you know, public speaking, which you don't even associate necessarily with sport, but having to stand up and speak in a change room as captain or having to do an interview after a game and all these different things. And they're all skill sets that are so applicable in a working environment. So I could talk all day about the things on the field and the amazing people that you get to meet because they do end up family. 
you know the the people who get behind you and support you the people on the pitch you this is a unique sport like other contact sports where you have to actually put your body on the line for the people around you so the trust you have to have in everybody is is pretty big and you know that's really special you do get bonds for life so yeah I could talk all day long but the the main thing I would say is go down give it a go no matter how nervous or anxious you might be and trust me you will not regret it because once you're in this sport you're in it for life so yeah get ready for the ride that's it just go down and give it a go your passion for this sport is absolutely infectious Jodie thank you so much for sharing your story and thank you also to Stacey and Tracy for a fascinating conversation I can't wait to see the progression of Women's Rugby League, to see the game turn professional and to see it grow in popularity, especially among younger girls. We should also say thank you to the England team for a fantastic World Cup campaign and for helping to break down the stereotypes that exist for women in rugby league. Thanks once again to our podcast sponsor, CSM Live. If you would like to find out more about women in sport, head to our website at womeninsport.org. We are a charity, so if you are able to spare a few pennies and donate, it does help us to create lasting change for women and girls in sport and society.